0: As an actor, I've made a career out of surviving personal and family dramas on daytime television. And in real life, I've also had my fair share of challenges, just like everybody else. But TV and film can be a nice escape from our own daily struggles. But let's face it, life is not TV and film. Yeah, it's time to keep it real. With Real Conversations with Jacob Young, sponsored by Boys Town. It's time to keep it real with Real Conversations with Jacob Young, brought to you by Boystown. My special guest this week is one of the most familiar faces on television. He also happens to be one of the nicest guys in show business. We've been friends for a very, very long time. And in fact, we were just together again a few weeks ago for a very top secret project that we filmed in Los Angeles. And you'll be hearing about that this coming spring. I'm very excited to welcome my pal, Cameron Matheson, on this week's Real Conversations with Jacob Young. Now, Cameron and I first worked together when he was playing Ryan Lavery, and I was J.R. Chandler on the classic soap, All My Children. These days, in addition to his television movies, you can see Cameron Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. co-hosting Hallmark Channel's Home and Family. Please give a Real Conversations welcome to Cameron Matheson.
1: (laughs) Jacob! What's up? The oh my parents, gosh, that was, it was a nice intro, my brother. Uh, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it, man. I, uh, I always love every chance I get to, to catch up with you, so uh, this is awesome.
0: No, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It really means so much. We've got lots to talk about and catch up on, but first, we cannot disappoint our fans who want a short trip down memory lane through Pine Valley... Now you know I've been on Bold and Beautiful, I've been on General Hospital, but I have to say, fans stop me more to talk about all my children than any other show or movie that I've done. Now there's such a love for that show, and I know it's over and over done. It's it sounds like a cliche, but we really were a family. Just to appease our fans, what are a few of your favorite memories of being Ryan Lavery in Pine Valley?
1: Man, it's so true. You know, unlike you, I, I didn't have the opportunity. Uh, to have uh, had other experiences, other shows, but everybody that came through—all my children—just said so many great things about it. It's just a, a unique um, energy and unique connectedness. I think with everybody there, uh, all the all the you know on-camera people as well as behind-the-scenes people. But I, I would say some of my fond memories. Um, so I'm going to flash back to like 1997, is when I was living in T- Canada, and I came down to. Um, to New York uh, for the weekend to visit some buddies, and I wanted to write off the trip. I wanted to make it like a tax write-off coming from Toronto in <laughs> to New York, and I went to see an acting agency in town just to be able to, to say that it was a business trip, you know? And the acting agency, uh, Brett Adams, um, said, oh yeah, you know, you seem like a great guy. We, we'd love to rep you. In fact, we have a friend over at All My Children that we'd love you to go over and just say a quick hello to. And it was Judy Bly Wilson, the head casting uh, director over there. And I just went in and I had no intention of moving to New York. So it's, it, and Jacob, you, you'll know this, like when you go on an audition or uh, maybe an interview for uh, people at home that maybe not be in the, in the business and you don't like, there's no pressure. Like, in other words, I didn't think for a second that I was moving to New York. So I had, I wasn't nervous. I was very calm and very myself and authentic. And so I went in, I met Judy and, um, she said you know you, you know whatever like I was shooting something in, in Toronto at the time and it happened to be a pretty big movie it's called 54 with Ned Campbell and Brian Phillippe and Mike Meyer so that worked in my favor like I'm able to set, just sit there off office, put my feet up and say yeah I'm shooting 54 with all these people and so she was impressed by that she gave me a script to do a cold read and what a cold read is um for people at home that you basically get just a few minutes to uh to to look at this and then she's gonna put you on tape versus like having the script overnight and working on it and all that stuff. So I just had a few minutes. She put me on tape um with the script and I still have a copy of it actually. And next thing you know, um I get a call and they want to screen test me and my life changed forever. Like that's that's how it all happened. So my the fond memory was that energy of me like leaving Canada, you know, coming to New York City as like a working actor already, already kind of guaranteed and Remember my first day on set, uh, I came in and, and it was like a big bus accident. It was in January and, and my character was supposed to be a scam artist and trying to capitalize on this accident for insurance money. And I knew I should know right away, Jake. They they had my shirt unbuttoned down to my belt like from the very, very first day. So uh but I, I loved it, man. I loved it. And I remember so getting back to your original question. I remember walking home from that first day. And literally feeling on I'll never forget the feeling after finishing my first day, living in New York, walking home, and and just having that, that feeling inside me. And then, it, you know, some of my other fond memories for sure were um, working with, uh, like like you said, like you alluded to, just the amazing, amazing people. It was literally family. Like we were literally, uh, you know, I have an incredible daily job now that is is one of my favorite jobs I've ever had. But there's there was something so special about the uh, the family aspect that we had um, on all my children, and that that isn't like one specific moment, but that's just a general feeling. And 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 I think of, of everything else, that was my favorite part about it.
0: Yeah, I gotta tell you, it it, it couldn't happen to somebody nicer, better. And, you know, uh, you, you, certainly, you, you embrace the character, you know, every day and, you know, you did everything that was needed. I mean, it, if it, if it meant you, you know, taking your shirt off, man, you did it and you did it with like ease. And, uh, I love that about you, man, you, you kick some ass and, um, but you know, you know, that would kind of answers part of my question. I was going to ask you, how did you get your acting career? But, but you, you basically gave that, uh, that answer in that, that first question, but, uh, we missed the all my children days, but I want to talk about something that a lot of people don't know. You have a bachelor's degree in civil engineering. I mean, what what even is that? Could you answer?
1: Yeah, yeah, sure, man, for sure. I um, I was like, I didn't, I didn't know what to study in in college, but I was strong in math and science, and so my dad had gone through um, engineering. He went through chemical engineering. So, I applied to engineering in fact i I knew so little about it that I applied to a category that didn't even exist. I just called it physical engineering I didn't even know what it meant, but essentially, um, I ended up in civil engineering with a major in structural so civil engineering is there it's a very broad it's a very broad kind of um, arena that you know civil engineers will help design freeways civil engineers will help um, come up with environmental solutions to certain problems you know uh, Civil engineers also, which was my major, um, work with architects and build uh, buildings and build uh, bridges, and that's the structural engineering. Um, that so, like an architect will come up with the design, and probably the architect will have a lot of engineering background too. But they will bring like give their design to a civil engineer, and a civil engineer will decide what materials are needed, whether it's structurally sound. They'll go through code and they'll make the, make sure everything is legal and safe. Um, and so that's, and I loved it. And my best friend at the time was going into uh, architecture. He was studying architecture. And so our plan was to go into and, and, and do a design build company together. And, uh, and he ended up being a professional architect and I just kind of bailed on <laughs> it. Took a left turn.
0: You know what I mean? But that's, uh, that's but, what's but, but the So basically else. you're a problem solver. For everybody, else. yeah. I mean, you, you kind of solve yeah, yeah. the issues in between. They're like, I want to make this thing all sorts of glass, and I want to make it transparent, but you know, forty thousand pound trucks can drive over it. You're like, that's not going to work.
1: Yeah, exactly right. Oh, and then the architect says, "Well, we'll make it work." Then you got to, you know, that's exactly right. I never really thought about it. As, I like that, but and and in many ways, people sort of say like, you know, engineering and what? How did you get? It? But in many ways, I promise that that crazy schedule of cramming information, studying, staying up all night, um, working in groups and projects and under pressure and writing exams, that prepared me like massively for, you know, you, you know, what obviously what it's like in, in search where you're getting massive amount of material and you're working with others and you've got to like hit the mark, stay the line, probably perform it. Like there's a lot of pressure and, um interesting aspects so obviously the the material was completely totally different but in many ways it prepared me uh for this business like nothing else
0: oh absolutely i mean you have to have a business mind in this industry and uh you obviously were able to take that and and bring it to this and it's freaking fantastic man um i want to i'm going to get you. down to some uh some stuff that we uh that you've you've uh you've gone through now you've been very open about being diagnosed with kidney cancer last year. Now, you are the absolute epitome of health and physically fit. I mean, you're you're the role model for that. We all strive to be as in great shape as you are. Now, the shocking diagnosis of a cancer is not the first health challenge that you've overcome in your life. I'm, I'm not sure how many fans are aware of the health challenges that you faced as a child. Would you be willing to share uh, some of that about your childhood health issues and how you overcame that and how you got through it.
1: I'd be happy to, man. And, and thanks for asking. I, I don't, you know, I don't really have a lot of opportunities to to talk about it without it being just sort of like volunteering, you know, some random information, but yeah, I, I have lived and continue to live, um, you know, a health oriented a fitness oriented, uh, life. And, and it's true that, um, when I was a kid, when I was two and a half years old, I was diagnosed with a degenerative bone disease in the head of both of my femur bones. So, the femur bone is the big bone that's in your thigh. So, um, it was called leg calf perfuse disease. Believe it or not, the leg is not your leg. It's actually somebody's name, L-E-G-G-E, and they're all somebody's last name. So, leg calf disease, degenerative bone disease. So, what happens is, you know, your bones become weaker and softer and they can't support the load of your body. My mom knows that I was walking funny and, you know, because I was obviously fairly new to walking at two or two and a half. And she took me in and they, they diagnosed this. And at the time, there, um, there was an experimental procedure where they could fracture your femur a few times. So, you know, once and then heal, and then once again, and that would tend to hopefully re, uh, regenerate the strength of the bones. But it was experimental, and my parents um, didn't want to do that. They're doing it now regularly, and it's it's shortened the uh, heal time uh, considerably. But at the time, I had to wear a very uh, large uh, fixed a frame a brace with my legs way out wide and metal in between them supporting the load of my body. So that would take the load of my body off of my femur bones and it would be into the brace. The brace was sort of carrying my... Load. So I had to wear this night and day. I had to sleep with it uh, and obviously wear it throughout the day um, for four years. Uh, you know, the only time it came off is when my parents would kind of lower me into the bath or whatever. Um, and obviously that has a like a real... You know, effect on a kid um, on a lot of different levels. You know, obviously, there's you know there's bullying and there's you know difficult things that come with being um, a disabled uh, child. But there are also you know there's there's things that the, the, that I learned as a kid as far as you know what it feels like to be bullied or made fun of or what it you know what. It, um, feels like to have mothers, they don't look, don't stare, honey. So you, 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 you understand that from a, a different level and, and hopefully, and most importantly, you, you take it and it transforms who you are and you, and you, you know, you propels you into who you want to be and you learn, you know, how you want to conduct yourself. Cause you know what it feels like to be on the other side of some of those things. Um, and honestly, I feel like in many ways, it was a great teacher for me. Um, it also on a more kind of uh I don't know, surface level, it propelled me into being an active guy. Like I wanted I did not want to be, you know, for lack of a better term, the crippled kid that people stared at all the time. I wanted to be healthy and fit and active and probably too much. I mean you and I we've talked about this, Jake, where, you know, it propelled me into probably trying to overdo it with my sports and activities and also um, you know, getting getting physically fit in aesthetic way to get, you know, attention and, and to, to be known and validation, um, you know, probably to the nth degree, but you know, once that kind of, what that, you know, like, you know, I was far to one side when I was in the bracing, and that probably sprung way far, too far to the other way. And and now that I'm you know, a little older and, and I've got a little more experience, I'm, I'm in this place of understanding, um, my health and fitness and, and, and my style and, um and it's really uh been a pivotal a pivotal part of my journey and brings me to my most recent health um uh, struggle with kidney cancer about a year ago. Now I've been a little over a year cancer free, which I'm uh obviously very grateful for. Um and uh it was a shocking surprise to me. I sort of pride myself on, on doing everything as healthy as possible, but obviously we all know that there's sometimes no rhyme or reason. Um, and I've uh, had, yeah, go ahead.
0: Yeah. Right. I mean, I was just going to say like, you know, being as aware of your body and going through all those things as a child and fighting for, you know, for that, that that feeling of just being normal and not being bullied and being stared at, like you said, and then, you know, being so physically in tune with your body to get a cancer diagnosis like that must have felt like a sucker punch.
1: It did. It, it was, It was. you know, part of me was like a little embarrassed. Like, I know it sounds weird. Obviously, part of me was incredibly scared and confused, et cetera. But I was like, oh my gosh, like, I'm, I'm going to come out and talk about this. And meanwhile, I'm also the guy who kind of gives health and fitness advice. But, but yeah, it's because, to your point, it's because I was so in tune with my body and how I felt and my energy levels that I would go and I would get certain tests run. I'd get blood tests on them, different tests and I would check them out and there would be indications on those tests that didn't make a whole lot of sense. They weren't like, it wasn't night and day that, Oh my God, something's seriously wrong, but there was white blood cell issues. And there was, um, certain things that it was, it was clear that my body was working on and yet I was otherwise perfectly healthy. And I had, Certain gut issues that were not directly related, definitely not directly related to the kidney cancer, but were maybe an indication of that not, not having the energy to fight off certain you know bacterial overgrowth or things like that in your gut um that maybe one would normally And immune function you know my immune system was compromised and things and we just didn't really understand so finally I insisted i I was sure that I had some sort of stomach cancer or I shouldn't say that I was sure that I, there was something going on in my gut and I wanted to get an MRI and I'd asked for it for like two years, year and a half to two years I'd been asking and the doctors were saying no but they were like you really don't need it you really don't need it, it's okay let's just try this let's try this, went to western doctors I went to more eastern medicine doctors, I went to functional medicine doctors, I flew to specialists and um, nothing was really getting better and so finally the doctors like you want an MRI? We'll give you an MRI and they didn't find anything in my gut or abdomen area but they did find uh, a tumor on my kidney. It saved my life, man. Because it hadn't spread yet. Um, in many ways, the the doctors sort of confirmed that my healthy lifestyle and I had um, definitely probably didn't give it the energy to spread into my lymph nodes and then throughout my body. Because that's, that's the real dangerous aspect of kidney cancer is when it spreads. It in itself is quite manageable and and um, can you can handle it pretty easily. Uh, but it's when it spreads into other areas that, that it becomes uh, you know deadly. And so it was only in my, my kidneys. They went in, they cut it out. It was very successful. And uh, you know, so far, so good. Obviously, I'm getting tests uh, regularly. And um, I'll just
0: keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah, man. You're, but your hyper-awareness was definitely uh, the, that component that changed that for you. Absolutely. Being aware no of your body and saying, hey, guys, I need to get this taken care of. Um, you know, I think that, you know, a lot more people should take, you know, take that into consideration in their lives and make sure that like, if you feel like there's something wrong, is there any sort of, uh, 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 outreach program that you're working with right now to make more awareness to something like this? Like, uh, maybe steering away from Western medicine or going into Eastern medicine, or is there something you'd like, uh, our listeners to know about?
1: Yeah, I mean, I work with a couple of really great functional medicine uh, doctors. Uh, a gentleman who, who works online and takes online patients as well. If you're ever interested, his name's Doctor David Jockers, and then one here in Pasadena that I go in physically to a great uh, doctor, Doctor Clement Lee at Optimal Health and Wellness. That also does, you know, virtual uh, patients, so that way it's sort of accessible to everybody. I'm not necessarily working with them. I have started. Um, Uh, an Instagram sort of uh, like an online brand that's very very new and just sort of starting but it's called all health 360 where I talk about a lot of the um, the, not only you know some fitness ideas and exercises staying active also nutritional ideas and and I also share a lot about um, some cancer myths and some cancer information as well as spiritual health things like meditation and volunteering and um, so it's uh, it's, uh, it's something that since my cancer journey has become, you know, important to me and it's very authentic. It's something that I do anyway. And I just decided to share what I do with everyone and um, people seem to connect
0: to it. And so that makes me happy. Absolutely. I mean, everybody knows somebody or, you know, has gone through something like this. And uh, that's exactly what I was going to be talking about next is your all health 360. It's an awesome platform and Because of your talks in All Health 360 and because of hanging out with you when I was in L.A., I actually started fasting, doing the intermittent fasting lifestyle since I got back from L.A. And I've been seeing like, you know, at first it was 16 hours and now it's 17, 18 hours. And I got to tell you, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling great. I'm sort of, I don't know if you're doing the same thing, but I'm sort of, you know, trying to keep it like a, you know, a keto diet as well at the same time, but making sure I get all the right calories. Um, can you explain a little bit about the details of that fasting program and its benefits?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's the, it's the most affordable, most effective medicine that any, any of us can do. Like there's so many things that people would want the money, have access to as far as medicine and health. And then there's there's something like intermittent fasting or just fasting in general, long-term fasting. That you know, people m- m- misconstrue it with starvation or something that's unhealthy or extreme, and and that's understandable because the word fasting has got certain connotations to it. But it's one of the healthiest things that we can do for our bodies. What it does is it gives our body a break from digestion. We don't realize how much energy and attention our body needs uh, for digesting food. And it takes quite some time for the food to really kind of pass through the gut and through the colon and then to be moved on. What happens is if you give your body a break from that, people think it slows down your metabolism. It actually doesn't. It has largely like an opposite effect. But what what it does even more so is it has an effect of, um, in a sense, self-healing. Your body, it's called autophagy, where your body can flush out damaged cells and repair itself because it has the energy to do so. It has the time and energy to do so. And you're just giving yourself a break by doing that. Now, some of the added benefits for sure are that you'll be likely more to burn fat as fuel, right? So you're putting your body in a slightly stressed state in the sense that you're not giving it regular food. However, what that does is it tells your body to go to stored fuel for energy more likely. So yes, most people that do fasting, it's not all have experienced uh, fat loss and and weight loss, but you also end up um, having a lot more energy uh, because once you start utilizing fat as a fuel source, like you alluded to with your keto diet, like if you're also eating some sort of a low-carb diet, a lower-carb or a full-keto diet along with intermittent fasting, but probably reap even more benefits because you started using um fat as a fuel source and the byproduct of using fat as a fuel source uh a you, you'll likely get leaner but b are something called ketones so it's a byproduct so it's like when you burn the fat as a fuel ketones get released in your body ketones are one of the most efficient energy sources for your body and for your mind you you, you people that uh, experience uh, extended fasting uh, or even a keto diet for a long period of time or a low-carb diet, they'll, they'll notice sort of a mental clarity and calmness. And that's because their body is shifted over to burning fat as fuel and to utilizing these ketones in the body. So there's there's so many benefits to doing um, intermittent fasting. So what it is, uh, like Jacob was alluding to, is just any time that you're not eating, you're, you're technically in a fast. So even if you're just doing from the time of your dinner, the end of your dinner, to the time you wake up, if you don't have a snack at night and you don't have calories in your tea or things like that, anytime there's zero calories going in, zero calories, so water's okay, black coffee's okay, black tea's okay, but zero calories going in, that's technically a fast. If you go 12 hours, good for you. That's a daily 12 hour fast. Let's go from eight to eight, let's say. But if you can extend that, what I do is I skip breakfast. Uh, No, I I don't even feel like eating in the morning Mm -hmm. and I try to have um, lunch as my first meal. And so I try to make 16 hours uh, of fasting and then have a eating window of eight hours and you get, you know, I I don't try to restrict calories in that eight hours. In other words, I try to get as many calories as I normally would, but in that eight hour window, because my my goal for this is not actually to lose weight. It's to to keep on the lean muscle, but, um, you know, help utilize fat as a fuel source. Now. Through, let's say, the Thanksgiving weekend, which has been a tough weekend. You know, everybody's eat, tough in the sense of eating well. You know what I mean? It's been a great weekend. But, um, so I had pie and I had a little bit of ice cream and things. So, what I'll do in that is I'll try and extend my fast a little bit. I'll have my, my gut, cause those foods, there's nothing wrong with those foods from one perspective. But from another perspective, they, they cause a lot of inflammation, sugar and gluten and things like that. They also, um, Spike blood sugar, so they they increase um, they decrease insulin sensitivity. So when I eat foods like that, I just have an extra long fast the next day, and,
0: and increase then increase continue that ketosis. On. Get that, ketosis yes, that's going right. a little bit longer. And all yep. that stuff to get through your body and process. I have to tell good, you, man, good job. I have to tell you, I'm not kidding. I mean, I've already like, I I was inspired. You know, when, when I when I realized because I I had that that sort of crazy idea like, oh, I gotta fast from the moment I wake up. It was not calculating the idea that you can, like sleeping is fasting. And once I started putting that into calculation, it wasn't that hard. And it hasn't been that hard. And I don't feel like eating in the morning. I get, you know, the, you know, the great, you know, the great proteins, lean, lean proteins, getting the vegetables. I still have enough energy to do my workouts in the morning and I'm seeing significant results. And you inspired me specifically through this and through your all health 360. So, uh,
1: it's really, really great. The last thing I'll say about it, if you don't mind, is that this is something that's been happening for centuries this is almost every religion going back to the beginning that we that we know of Religions incorporates fasting at certain periods of fasting like this is not only a spiritual practice but also something that's been going on for a very very long time our bodies are designed for it i promise it's not starvation um it's incredibly incredibly good for you in so many ways and um, give it a give it a shot and, and read about it and, and you know talk to your medical professional but at the same time a lot of western medicine doctors um, you know may not buy into it but you know do your own research check it out for yourself we're our own best advocate for our own health so to so
0: really be your own experiment absolutely everybody has a slightly different dichotomy and and, right. and it can affect people different ways but uh, I tell you I'm feeling better than I ever have and and thank you so That's much awesome man You're welcome. You have accomplished so much already in life and and you're inspiring millions, obviously, with your openness and your All Health 360. Is there anything on your must-to-do list that you've always dreamed of doing?
1: Hmm. That's a good question, buddy. Um, You know, I, I mean, I guess on one level, I'd love to take these, this, this all health kind of concept. So I, the way I describe it is like kind of three pillars of health, nutrition, uh, fitness and, um, you know, spiritual health or emotional health. Um, I'd love to take it on, you know, a next level. Uh, I'd love to, um, kind of brand it out a little bit and, 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 and make it more accessible and more practical and user friendly. So that's, that's something that there's, there's been some interest in and, and I'm, I'm excited to kind of pursue it. Obviously, nothing's really um, you know, blowing up right now, but I, I really enjoy it. It's a real passion for me and, and everybody listening knows how much more fun it is to, to work on something that you're super passionate about. Um, you know, it's one of the reasons I love working at Hallmark cause I, I love everything that they do over there, but at the same time, um, I love, uh, I love health at all its capacity. So I think if there's one thing that I haven't really kind of done yet, yes, I've started this, but to take it sort of to the next level and, and put it out there in a bigger way um, would be something that would mean a lot to me.
0: And there's no doubt that you're going to be able to do that too. You've inspired me. You, I know you're inspiring everybody that you talk to. You happen to be the word inspiration. When I think of Cameron Matheson, that's what I think of. Uh, Thank you, brother. Absolutely. We all have been, had to be so careful these days because of COVID. How has film and home and family changed these days?
1: That's a good question. Yeah. I mean, it's so true. I mean, um, so we were down for six months during the initial lockdown, uh, quarantine. Um, and we shot remotely, uh, from home, the, my co-host Debbie Matinopoulos, is amazing. Uh, but now we're back up in September. And to your point, you know, far fewer, uh, producers, far fewer crew members, only 10 So we, we shoot on Universal Studios lot. We have this house, it's a sort of a house, but it's basically a studio and only 10 people are allowed in the house at one time. Um, all the producers that, that design our segments that we do day-to-day, they do it all from home now. Almost nobody comes on the set. Nobody comes on in a lot, period. So it, it's adapted. It's changed. Obviously, social distancing on the set itself. Debbie and I, Even though we, we get tested Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I get tested three times a week, every week. But even considering that, we still, don't, we still keep social distance on set and uh, keep our distance from the guests that come on. We have a lot more Zoom interviews and Zoom guests, even in the kitchen. Uh, we do have some people that still come. We do a lot of our interviews outside now instead of inside the house. So we've been taking really careful, uh, well, just just care of uh, all the things that we've been doing and, and applying the, the protocols set up by Universal Studios, but also by by the California government. And, and it's been real working really well. Nobody's tested positive since we've been back up. And remember, we've got a lot of people on the show, a lot of people upset. And um, even in the midst of this sort of COVID spike, everybody, everybody's been doing really well.
0: Yeah. And that's uh, you know, I, I, just recently went through a similar thing. I was shooting something for Disney plus can't really mention it right now, but um, the protocols that they were taking, uh, PAs that take you to get craft services, you know, all of that stuff. I mean, multiple COVID tests. I got to say this, I think the sets are safer than they've ever been. Uh, yeah, I mean, if, exactly. if they could have only been this way, uh, you know, 10 years ago when we all would come down with the flu. Um, but I know we, we, we get the flu,
1: we get the flu and then we, we force ourselves to go to work cause we didn't want to be like the guy who's calling him sick. Meanwhile, it's actually not a kindness. Like the real kindness is to stay home if you're not feeling well. Like, you know, we just didn't have that mentality. We're learning a lot through all this. I mean, there is a, you know, there is a small upside.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in addition to home and family, all health 360 and our little secret project that's coming out this spring, our lips are sealed. Is there any new movies for us to look forward to?
1: Yeah, I think there is, man. I think, uh, I haven't shot it yet, but all things goes, you know. Everything goes well with the um, COVID protocols, and uh, I'll be shooting one. I'll be shooting a new Hallmark uh, movie in Canada, likely in April. I'll, I can't really say what it is, but it is, it is. I'll say this: you know, I've done. I've been lucky enough to do a whole bunch. I think I've done fifteen or sixteen, and it is the one movie that I get by far. The question, when are you going to do another one of those? Like, when are you going to come out with a sequel? When are you going to come out with the next one of these? So um, people, I think, will be very excited.
0: I love it. I love it. So stay tuned. Keeping it real with Jacob Young, the mental health podcasts are sponsored by Boys Town. For over 100 years, Boys Town has been helping children of all ages cope with the unfair challenges that they've been dealt. Cameron, what advice would you give a child or children we're feeling less than because of health issues?
1: Well, oh, that's a good question. I guess, um, I guess I would just say that to, to be true and authentic to yourself, to know in your heart. Um, I mean, you know, I, I just think about, you know, me as a, as a kid in, in the brace and in, who thought of less of himself. And, and it's, it's a mistake. It's a mistake of the mind to, to, to think that way. And, you know, to to really truly and deeply accept the situation, obviously, whatever situation that that these boys or these kids are in, um, you've got to accept it and do what you need to do to get through it, and listen to your doctors, etc. But also, know in your heart who you are and what's going on here. This is not you. You are not your illness. You are your illness is something that's happening to your body. It's not who you are, your heart, your soul, um, and you can separate the two. You know, I used to I used to really identify with being, you know, for lack of a better term, the crippled kid, that was, you know, even though it was like an underlying kind of a identifier, like I used to feel like that's me, that's who I am. I'm this, this kid who causes a problem and has to wear his brace. I'm, I'm troubled, you know, and it's, it's, it's a mistake of the mind. It's a mistaken identity. It's you are not your illness, you know, and, and stay true to who you are in your heart and your soul. And if you can, if you're able to, to transform what you're going through to be able to benefit others is the true meaning of life. Like to learn from it and to benefit others, either through compassion or whether through education and educating others, however you can, um, to do your best to do that.
0: Those are some very, very powerful words. I'm like almost moved to tears right now, brother. That's, um, you heard it here from Cameron Matheson. Thank you, Cameron, for your honesty, for your courage, your words and advice are an inspiration to all of us. I love you. I hope to see you again soon. In the meantime, I'll be following you on Instagram. And of course, we can all spend two hours a day with you on Home and Family on Hallmark Channel weekdays at 10 a.m. Thank you again, Cam. Happy holidays on Hallmark. Where every day is. I love you, brother. Thanks for having me, man. Okay, buddy. Thank you so much, my friend. Our expert guest this week is crisis counselor and manager for Boys Town National Hotline. She's here to offer some insight and some important information about what they do and how they can help. Please give a real conversations welcome to the show, Chris Hallstrom. We are so pleased to have you on the show, Chris.
2: Well, thank you very much, Jacob, for um, asking Boys Town to be part of um, your discussion on these podcasts. We're we're thrilled to be able to talk about what we do here.
0: Uh, thank you so much. And, you know, Boys Town has done so much for so many families, so many children. It's my absolute pleasure. And, and thank you so much for taking the time. Um, what I want to jump into is what is the Boys Town National Hotline and who do you primarily help?
2: Well, our main focus um, at the Boys Town Hotline is to provide assistance to youth, young adults, families, um, but we also offer support to people who might be in emotional or even suicidal crisis.
0: So you you basically cover the whole gamut as, as far yes. as any kind of issues that somebody is personally going through, whether it's with a family member or if it's bullying or or all of the above.
2: Exactly. And we're, we're 24 hours and we're a national hotline as well. Um, There's a lot of uh, crisis lines that are local to um, a general area, but we're a national line.
0: That's fantastic. Now, is it just a hotline or are there other tools that you guys have available?
2: Well, we have a lot of different services that we provide. Um, The hotline itself has been um, in operation for just over 30 years. I would say probably 15 years ago or so, we started noticing a trend where kids were calling us less and less. So we launched a website for teens called yourlifeyourvoice.org. You can also find it under org. And uh, the idea is that kids reach out in different ways. Obviously, they text. Um, they sometimes they just want information. they don't want to reach out and get the help right away. So your life, your voice is a, a opportunity for kids to um, just find different ways to seek some help. So they can text us, uh, they can call. Uh, that information is on. The website. They can also email questions to us if they just want some one-on-one um, responses. But we have uh, different topics related to kids on there, different tips, tools. Um, so it's it's become a really popular website in probably um, a little over ten years. It's been in existence. So and it's international. We have kids from all over the world that tap into the resources that are on the website.
0: That's fantastic. That answers the question that I was going to ask you is why was there such a decline? But that makes total sense. Everybody has their comfort zone, especially with the availability of having email, text messages. And I'm sure this is all 100% confidential, correct?
2: Kids can contact us and give us as much information as they're comfortable with. Um, And yeah, we know that kids don't like to talk on the phone necessarily. And that's changed, you know, over the last 10 years. So um, we're just thrilled that we were able to provide um, another way for kids to reach out and get help. We're also part, I should mention too, that we're also part of the National Lifeline Suicide Prevention Network, which is a network of crisis lines across the country who take calls from people who are dealing with emotional crisis or
0: who are having thoughts of suicide. So, so you guys partner together with them?
2: Yes. Yep. We're, we are one of the um, many crisis centers in their network.
0: That's Fantastic. Now, you know, in my interview with Cameron, he spoke a lot about how the health challenges that he faced in his life have impacted him and how in his younger days, this made him different from his fellow classmates. Now, I know there's a lot of kids out there who really struggle with being different. At the Boys Town National Hotline, what are some of the primary concerns and questions people have when they're calling in on this topic and what are their biggest struggles?
2: Well, Jacob, you know, teen years are. Uh, such a challenge for kids. Um, kids can feel singled out for so many things. Um, they can uh, be singled out for being different um, in whatever that is. Maybe, they, um, maybe they're maybe they having a problem in school or maybe it's how they look or maybe it's their family. Um, there are also kids who feel invisible, um, and feel like nobody notices them. Um, but I think we all remember what it was like to be a teenager and feel like any little imperfection, um, that people were zeroing in on it, uh, from what you're wearing to having a bad hair day. Um, so kids just, uh, they, it's hard for them sometimes because they're, they're so focused inward on themselves. Um, and they're just worried about being judged or looking
0: different. Yeah. I mean, I can completely relate, of course, my teen years where w- our struggle as well. I mean, I, you know, I was picked on for all various sorts of things and, uh, you know, kids, of course, other kids can be very uh, difficult on other children because of the indifferences that they've had or see or the clothing that they're wearing. And yeah, it's, it's an absolute struggle. I mean, I was yeah. just dealing with them not on such a huge scale, you know. Thank God. But, you know, not as if yet. My son is a preteen. He's he's almost he's 12 years old and he's just now, you know, starting to, you know, find himself and wants to impress boys and hang out with other boys and, you know, impress girls. And um, he was skateboarding the other day. He's been like looking out the window, waiting for some kid to come by a skateboard so he can go skateboard with them. He's still kind of getting to know um, some of the kids in the neighborhood since we've recently moved. And so, you know, I, you know, I'm out there, I'm encouraging them, just go, go talk to them. Well, you know, then one of the kids was like, Hey man, can you do a kickflip? And he's just learning, but he's too proud to say, Hey, I'm just learning. And, you know, he he, he tried to do it and they laughed at him and he's very sensitive. So, you know, he came back to the house and he broke down and he felt like he embarrassed himself. And I'm like, look, it's not an embarrassment. Next time, just go, Hey, I'm just learning. I'm just learning. Yeah can you guys show me how to do it? And I said, I guarantee you they'll feel flattered that you asked them to show you. So exactly. Kids, they need those little tips and those, you know, the the advice. And it's, it's great that this, this hotline is available. What kind of advice do you give them?
2: Um, Well, one of the things that we always try and get people, kids, especially to understand is that nobody's life is perfect. Um, It's very easy in today's world with social media to, you know, look at a picture and you think, oh my gosh, you know, that person has everything. And some people are intentionally trying to give off that message, but nobody's life is perfect. Um, everybody has struggles. And the biggest thing is that we need to learn from, um, the struggles that we're going through and focus forward rather than, um, looking at what everybody else has, sometimes it's a matter of counting your own blessings.
0: Absolutely.
2: And the other piece too is, yeah, it's just being kind to yourself. You know, kids can be really hard on themselves. They're very hard on each other. Um, But practicing kindness on yourself um, and being kind to other kids
0: makes you feel better about yourself as well. Definitely, definitely. Um, I can imagine, you know, this day and age with, Children having the resources as far as, you know, being able to reach out to the world through social media and TikTok and Instagram and Twitter and, you know, having all these resources to see things that, you know, maybe it's an escapism for them. Um, and they're seeing things that, like you said, that, that aren't necessarily really what's happening in that person's life. And I could say this, you know, personally, you know, I'm, I've been in TV and film for years. I've had a really great, you know, experience in that world, but my life isn't perfect. Uh, I've had my right. very big emotional ups and downs. My great friends have all had emotional ups and downs. And that's really, you know, um, you know, I guess that is, I mean, that is probably some of the best advice to be passing on to these kids that see this fantasy. It's almost a fantasy. It's an escapism. when They're looking at, you know, the, you know, people like hanging out in front of big houses or, you know, having everything and cars and, and, and being so hard on themselves, why they can't have that when probably it's just an, it's just a, a gimmick or an image. Um, and of course life is so much more deep than, than, you know, having aesthetic things like that. Um, right. I always use the example of a prom photo
2: because you look at a prom photo and here everybody's dressed all beautifully and the girls have, you know, beautiful dresses and their hair all done and the guys look all nice. But when you think about what's happened behind the scenes from that prom photo, you know, somebody didn't get the date that they wanted. Um, somebody ended up not being able to buy the dress that they wanted. um th- th- Somebody didn't get invited to go along with that particular group. Um, So to me, that's such a classic example of you see this bright, shiny, beautiful picture, but there's a lot that went on behind this. Um, and, And kids just have to understand that is what life is.
0: Right, it, you know, it, it's not the perfection. Absolutely, the, you know, there's so much beauty, uh, you know, outside of you know just that, you know, physicality, that photo, that prom photo. There's so much more behind the scenes, and um, you know, that's, right, that's a great example and a great way to, but uh, you know, be able to give that information to uh, to everybody. Really, I mean, I don't care if you're old right. or a teenager. That's a great example. It's uh, you know, we, we focus, we so hyper focused on um, what we want to look like, what we want to have and not what's, you know, really what's, what's at hand and what's What's important important at that moment. Um, yep. Appearances take too much, too, too much of a priority a lot of times. Absolutely. And I, you know, I feel like that's, uh, you know, any more, especially with the social media platforms, that's that you know, that's what it is. I mean, it's just, it's all image, image, image. And, um, I mean, you hear these stories of these uh, influencers that, um, you know, all these kids are looking up to, and then they have, you know, all sorts of, there could be all sorts of personal emotional distress and issues that happen later on, it comes out. And, you know, those are also prime examples that look, you know, even though they have a a million followers, and there's, they're doing all these uh, like fun things. um, You know, life still is life. And we still have to, you know, still have to pick up the pieces every single day. And that, you know, you're not alone. Everybody goes through it. Right. So, you know, with self-esteem and positive self-talk, you know, that plays a big part in this. Can you give me some examples of how changing my or one's approach to these can change so much more?
2: Well, a lot of times we talk to kids about change the recording that's in your head. So if you've got a recording in your head that's telling you you're not worth it, you're no good at something, change that. Flip it around and say, I can do this or this will get better or it'll be over soon. Um, whatever they can do to turn it positive starts to make them feel better, gives them hope um, that they'll get through it. One of our um, most popular pages on our website is 101 positive things to say to myself. It's just a list of 101 things um, that kids can say to themselves uh, just to make themselves feel better. We talk to kids about putting a note on on your mirror, um, so when you go get up in the morning, you see that first thing. praise yourself, be kind to yourself. Super, super important um, for people to do, especially kids um, who are very vulnerable, very emotional. Um, Sometimes their feelings can get very exaggerated um, when they're upset, but making those recordings in their head be positive ones can be really, really beneficial. Absolutely. Uh,
0: You know, I mean, I, I still do the same thing Myself every day. I, I, you know, if there's something that's difficult and I know it's a big task, I tell myself I'm going to get through this. It's fine. I can get through this because you know I've got a supportive family, or I got a wife that loves me, or I just know I have the ability to do it. But at the same time, you know, I I have doubts, and just you know, uh, just like kids or or even adults, we all we all go through that. So, how can they find that 101 on the uh, website? What what are the
2: actually if they go. Yep. If they go on to your life your dot org um there's a search bar right at the top, and they can just type in hundred and one and that will pop right up
0: so just go to the search search engine right there on uh, yep
2: search, yep on your life your voice
0: your life your voice that's great huh uh what other types of self care activities do you suggest to kids?
2: Well, we really try um first of all, we try and empower kids um to to be able to work through situations. I don't want to say completely on their own but what can they do um to kind of work through problems but also along with that who are the supportive people in their life um if kids can start to identify that you know what this person listens to me this person my parents are there maybe my parents aren't there I have an aunt um a grandparent a best friend um if they can identify those supportive people that's a huge help um, but it is a matter of finding good coping skills, finding some things to dist- distract them um, when they start to feel overwhelmed. And again, Your Life, Your Voice is, is full of different um, options for that. Uh, but th- another piece, too, is just to be able to, um, for kids to be able to identify what they're feeling in the moment. Sometimes you just aren't feeling right. It's a bad day. You're, you're, Um, just in a bad mood to identify what that feeling is. Um, And then why are you feeling that way? A lot of times that kind of um, makes it more concrete and kind of helps kids be able to move through that bad day um, and figure out, okay, this is why I'm feeling this way. This is what I need to do to fix it. Or you know what, it's going to get better tomorrow. Um, So, probably gave you a lot of things right there, well, but being the, able to the, reckon,
0: being able to recognize your own emotion and what, what is yes. creating that distress in your life is massive. Uh, you, right. You can't deal with it head on unless you know what you, what you're feeling and how to right. be able to cope with that feeling.
2: Right. And I think what happens a lot of times is um, somebody just doesn't feel good they um And, but they don't really know why. And if they can, Identify. This is what I'm feeling. This is why I'm feeling that way. Um, it's it's an emotional intelligence that really does help them to be able to move forward.
0: That's half the battle, right there. Absolutely.
2: R- yep. So, and we also talk to kids too about with journaling. Um, sometimes it's a matter of getting those thoughts out of your head onto paper. Um, so if they're feeling overwhelmed, upset, or whatever. Write it down. And they don't even have to save the journal. I know some kids are, are, you know, are afraid somebody might read it. Um, But get the thoughts out of your head. Put it on paper. You can always throw it away. Right. Same thing with a letter. Sometimes we talk to kids about writing a letter to somebody to get out all your, you know, your frustration, but you don't have to send it to them. You don't have to give it to them. You just get it out of your head onto paper and that can be a, a huge relief for folks.
0: Yeah. That's such that's, that's such a healing r- release to be able to write everything down. I know I've, right. I've, I've done that many times. It's such a, it's such a helpful tool because we do, we get locked in our heads uh, about whatever that that one thing was said to us or that the one thing that's affecting us, whether it was a teacher or was it was somebody or a student said something. Um, you know, I'm hypersensitive. I've always been that way. And it just takes one little thing. When I was younger, it took one little thing and I would be locked right. in my head all day about it. And I would take- And it, it- just circles around yeah. <laughs> in your head. It's, you can't it, get it out. Yep. It festers. And then the next thing you know, you're taking it out on somebody else. And, and, right. and so it's good to, you know, if you're feeling bad, you know, that's some great advice, write it down, rec, you know, help yourself recognize why you're feeling that way. Get the feelings out, get the emotions right. out and, 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 and push, you know, move past it, educate yourself by, by putting your feelings down on pen to paper. Yep. Um, and, and how can parents instill good self-care mindset in their children?
2: Well, one thing that you, uh, when you talked about your son that's an excellent example like we can't protect our kids um or shield them from you know every bad thing that could happen to them so instead of trying to fix things for our kids it's important for us just to listen um and it's that same thing like let them talk about what's going on and help them identify what they're feeling um and then process it i always say parents are teachers um we don't always think of them that way. We think more of caregivers and providers, but as a parent, you're there to help guide your child, teach them and prepare them to be adults. Um, So, and part of that is learning to be able to identify those feelings and um, figuring out what it is they can do um, to make it better or to move forward. Um, If we shield kids from every, um, adversity, we're really not setting them up um, for success in the future. Right.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I see that every day with, with my own children. um, you know, you, you, we tend to, we, we get caught up in our own issues, our own things that are going on. And, you know, I don't know if we expect it or, or we just don't think about it or we can't go back to those days when we were younger and we would feel that way. But I think it's, you know, just as, as children recognizing it, you know, the parents also have to recognize it and, and be able to take that moment and go, okay, I remember when I felt that way or uh, right. how, how can I, you know, instead of just trying to glide over it. Let's address it. Let's find a way that's healthy, that they can manage that issue and, and make them right. feel better about, about themselves and about that, you know, whatever was happening specifically. And, right. Yeah.
2: Well, and the other thing too, is like when they're telling you a story, take time, listen, um, Pay attention to what they're saying, because like you said, we get so busy um, with our day to day life that sometimes it's, you know, oh, I'm in the middle of this and you're trying to tell me something. Stop and listen Um, and don't listen with the intent to fix it, but listen with the intent to understand what what your child's going through. Um, I think that's a huge piece and then help them to be able to look at what their options are rather than telling them, do this, do that. Kind of guide them have them come up with what they think they could do or what the best
0: thing is to do. That's great advice. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. So uh, let me, let me see. Um, Is there, let me just ask you uh, because that was the last question I had on here, but um, can, can you give us maybe just see, let me rephrase that. Can you give us uh, one other healthy example where Let's let me think. Well, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to. Uh, free- no, nope, you're all right. Yeah, let's just think of something. I just want to add one more question in here before we cut this, uh, and I go to the end part of the interview. You know, there's one
2: thing that I really thought that was powerful because I took notes. I listened to what Cameron had to say. Yes. Thank um. You yeah, and he said um, what he went through as a child um, helped him because it transforms who you are. Propels you to be what you want to be, um, and you know what it feels like to be on the other side. I thought that was so um, powerful. So I don't know if that's something that, yeah, like, you okay. want to go yeah, back and you just, repeat.
0: Actually, just just say, just, just say, say like, say that. Somebody. I heard him. Okay. Yeah, and use Cameron. When I was listening to Cameron's okay. interview, um, and just say okay. that exact line for me.
2: Okay, I will do that. Yeah. All right, thank you. All right. When I was listening to Cameron's interview, um, it really impressed me when he when he talked about what he went through as a child. And he said how um, going through adversity like that transforms who you are. It propels you to who you want to be. And you also know what it feels like to be on the other side. And that just seems like such a powerful message to give to people because here Cameron was somebody that, you know, dealt with some issues as a younger child and look where he is today. So he learned from those experiences and um, it probably propelled him to be bigger and better. Um, and he's a huge, huge success today. So I think that's really admirable.
0: It absolutely is. He's, he's truly an inspiration. He's gone through such adversity as a child. And of course, uh, again, he was, a, he's epitome of health and he embodies health and for him to go through the things that he went through that, you know, just completely, he, you know, I think, you know, it, it was in the interview, he said he was slightly embarrassed by it. And the fact that he was able to, you know, get down to the problem of the health problem, the the cancer, and then getting past that, and it made him more connected to himself and his body. I, I, you know, he's just continues to be such an inspiration, um, you know, not only for, for the health, but all the, 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 the disability he had as a child and overcoming. I know that's Absolutely, of why he is as successful as he is today, he's truly an inspiration. Everybody who knows him is lucky to meet him. Feels it as soon as they uh, are within any distance of him. He's just, he just, he just exudes uh, inspiration and happiness.
2: Yeah, and that's an awesome thing. That's an awesome thing for somebody to be able to look up to somebody like him. Um, he learned how to get through it.
0: Yeah, and that's what this is all about. So I want to thank you, Chris, for taking the time to educate us more about the Boys Town National Hotline. And thank you for all the great works that you and the Boys Town team continue to do.
2: Well, again, we appreciate your support, and I'm very happy to be part of this.
0: Thank you so much. Now, this is all the time that we have for this week, but the Boys Town Toll-Free National Hotline, 1-800-448-3000, is a 24-7 crisis resource and referral number for kids and their parents. They're there to help anyone having suicidal thoughts, risking any type of self-harm, parenting problems, physical, sexual, or emotional abuse, stress, anxiety, anger problems, school problems like bullying and pure pressure, chemical dependency. If you're suffering from any of these issues or you just need someone to talk to, they're there for you 24 seven. Just call the Boys Town National Hotline. 1-800-448-3000 or go to boystown.org forward slash hotline Boys Town, saving children healing families until we can get together next time love each other and love yourselves we're keeping it real on Real Conversations with Jacob Young